because I decided to get in the mood. I'll tell you what, this movie touched me. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. What's but a smile on that face? You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So uh, this week, uh, because the new releases are so bereft of anything of quality, considering the biggest release this week is the Smurfs sequel that got trounced by the boss baby, we are taking a look at a VOD release called The Ticket, which I'm sure is destined to be our number one episode ever. Because uh, those episodes always do so well. But this week we have Mike from War Machine vs. Warhorse to talk about the ticket. So thanks for being here, Mike. I believe you skipped over the case for Christ. Didn't, I, that, I, didn't that come out this yeah, weekend? Yeah, weird that I skipped that, isn't it? <laughs> like My choices were children's movies, movies with old people, and movies about religion. Like none of the. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at Dan Stevens for an hour and a half instead. I actually thought of another Zach Braff film while watching The Ticket. Uh, so that's my way of saying we should have gone with the uh, going in style. <laughs> I just think you wanted even more to complain about because that movie is not getting great reviews either. So I think you were kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't this week. I have a counter to that because uh, I did suggest The Ticket as uh, something that was not good enough for War Machine versus War Horse, <laughs> but maybe good enough for you. But the other one I suggested was, is it called Win It All on yeah. Netflix? Yeah. Currently 90% on Rotten Tomatoes to this one's 40. So <laughs> but yet again, Dave. To be fair, uh, when you look at Rotten Tomatoes, I think there's like 12 reviews of the ticket. Like it's not exactly a wide range of data there. But but they're pretty consistent in their feelings <laughs> on it. <laughs> not that bad, not that good. <laughs> There's a lot of lot of middle ground with this movie. So let's just dive into the ticket here. So I think every once in a while there'll be a movie on VOD or on, I guess, Netflix counts as video on demand or on Netflix where you're like, God, why didn't this get a major release? The thing that the thing that pops in my mind most easily is uh, last year's Hush, which is a really good horror movie that was produced by Blumhouse that I just couldn't fathom. Like, why didn't this get a release? The ticket is not one of those movies. Uh, I don't think it's a movie that you'll watch and go like, God, I can't believe that this didn't this didn't sell and we didn't we didn't have this in, you know, a thousand theaters across the nation. Um, but I do think Dan Stevens is actually good here. I think he gives a good performance. It's just a shame. It's in such a nothing movie. You hear this? What you hear what I'm doing? Yeah, are you watching your hands? <laughs> no, I'm currently shaving because I decided to get in the mood. I'll tell you what, this movie touched me. Um, <laughs> I found it so inspiring to go and uh, look at yourself in the mirror and just become an unrepentant asshole. <laughs> so, yes, I decided to shave during this review and uh, kill two birds with one stone. Get in the mood of things. Um, yeah, I was thinking of a Demolition from last year with Jake Gyllenhaal. But less and, dancing. Well, actually, not, that's less exactly. dancing, not less dancing, just uh, slower, more morose dancing, I guess. Yeah, there's no enthusiasm <laughs> in this film. Uh, you know, Demolition maybe tonally didn't work for a lot of people. Uh, 
tended to be goofy. You also had a character that, you know, his issue was not emoting. And I guess this guy's issue is, uh, well, for one, it's, uh, if you're, if you lose your disability or, uh, you know, in this case, blindness, you will suddenly just became, become vain and horrible to your wife. Well, when you look like Dan Stevens, how can you not be vain? I mean, he probably looked at himself in the mirror and went, my God, I'm beautiful. I got to. That's where I disagree with you just a little bit, uh, because I did feel like, you know, I mean, I don't know if this is how he normally looks, but, you know, he's not in the guest shape. No, 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 definitely. And and somewhat of an attempt, he's very handsome, an attempt to look like a a normal guy. Uh, It is a little she's all that. And they like, he just like. He parts his hair. Yeah, let me run a comb through this, and all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, you know, I will say this: I was interested in the movie in the sense that I did finish it. I think it's ninety minutes, which is a big plus. Yep, that helps. Uh, I tend to give uh, more credit to you know character dramas, I guess, character mm-hmm. studies. But I think this movie's really stupid. Like, I think it's. <laughs> It's it's going for some sort of morality play. It's yeah. uh, trying to be a modern parable, and it just you know the, a lot of those things are, are children's stories. They're fairy tales, and this one it doesn't break out of that. It goes back to the you know that that story that becomes this his Glengarry Glen oh, Ross way be closing, too much. Jesus hits you over the head. Uh, Oliver Platt's wasted a pretty yep. thankless part. Um, I thought the the best uh, performance here is uh, I think Malene Ackerman Ackerman. Malin That's how you Ackerman. say it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, she's actually uh, not someone I usually like on screen, but I thought her performance here was really good. I think it's just unfortunate that we don't get enough. We don't – just like with well, all of you don't get Platt, enough of anybody. Yeah. You don't, you don't know a lot – I mean hardly anything about their personal relationships, their dynamic other yeah. than uh, – you know, maybe this is a guy who didn't have a lot of confidence in himself. There is a conversation in the film where he, he asks his wife you know, why she – uh, basically started a conversation with him while she chose to dance with him. And, you know, he's got some, some baggage as far as if a lot of his relationships have been based on pity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, you know, he wants to earn it. He wants to, to chase his dreams. The, the only unfortunate thing here is I don't feel like it's mentioned in the film, but their line of business is screwing people over. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not far off from Jack Lemmon, Al Pacino and that David Mamet. Uh, play they're they are they're already somewhat sketchy people yeah and i think the film doesn't really recognize that they don't seem to understand that it's not like he was this great guy who lost his way uh maybe he was just sort of a blank nothing and he attempts to be even more evil but he was already right. just kind of, he was kind of loser evil before to begin he was with. like a lazy worker bee in an evil corporation and then he like gets his shit together and decides to be like a a lead in this evil corporation. And I'm like, you know, like, is it worse? Yeah, I guess. But before you were you were doing the same work, you were just worse at it. So I don't know what's worse and what's better. I I think the movie's big big mistake comes in th- basically in the first scene in the film. First scene in the film is you know it's opening credits and you don't see either of the two main characters and they're just talking. Um, and then right after that, he regains his sight. So it's not like a big spoiler that he's going to regain his sight in this movie. So you have nothing to compare. You don't have a true character 
from before he lost this blindness. So he becomes like almost this sainted figure before he recovers his blindness, because all you know about him is like, he seems to really care about his wife and his kid in that opening scene. And then slowly as he regains his sight, he becomes more and more of a jerk and does some things that, that, you know, you're not likely to approve of. So when you don't have that comparison base, there's, there's nothing there. And that's really unfortunate. I think, you know, the movie is only, an hour and 33 minutes, if you give us like 10, 15 minutes of who this person was before this major event, I think maybe it affects the audience more. I don't know. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think it's true, but it's kind of, uh, as I continue to shave, it is, uh, it's giving the film an awful big benefit of the doubt. Uh, it, this film, I kept thinking, okay, this is just very slight. Mm. Uh, it doesn't have a lot to offer. This may have been a pretty good short film. Uh, for this, I believe, is he a first-time filmmaker? Or it's, second? I think it's second, and I think this is his first English-language film. So Okay. I mean, this I could see this idea being a calling card as a short film that plays the yeah. festival circuit. Uh, I... And, you know, maybe that was an idea of his, and it just, it just got stretched out. I found the direction to be pretty obnoxious. I've seen a lot of reviews when I was looking at Rotten Tomatoes and cursing your name for not letting <laughs> me watch the thing that was available on Netflix and was presumably a comedy and would have been a little more lighthearted. Uh, you mentioned this is morose and doesn't have any sort of levity. I think, I mean, not whatsoever. Even the fun bits are him thinking about cheating on his wife and then, uh, you know, consummating that act. I, uh, yeah, I just, I just think that the visuals here, they do match the tone, but it's just so pretentious and just so it, like it really wants to hammer home its point uh, yeah. a little too much. Like for a film, that's not going to have a lot of progression. Uh, th- there's one key moment I, I, I really hated, which is <laughs> he, uh, he goes back to dance with his wife. And oh, this is, as I mentioned earlier, it's horrible. a point of contention as far as like, you know, did you take pity on me? Is that what started this relationship? Is there some sort of sense of falseness to our entire life together that we've created? And he goes back to that, you know, the I guess the origin story, and they dance, but they the filmmaker, the writing, they don't allow Dan Stevens to actually interact, and it feels very much like characters are not actually real people; they're just ideas battling it out with each other mm-hmm. at different points. And I'm just like, I, that's just not how I want my sort of marriage melodrama to go. I you know, I want in the bedroom. I want eventually to have that big conversation, that big moment eyes wide shut another one right uh yeah this is it's easy to say i mean that's not a hot take this is not eyes wide shut it's not, not Kubrick. <laughs> it's not in the bedroom uh because yeah this played last year i think to middling reviews at tribeca and the end result is i say hey dave uh case for christ or uh the ticket take your pick and that's an easy pick i still am happy with that pick i think i think you bring up a good point though is this is our movie in general that it, it's it's about ideas and because of that i feel like when you boil it all down, this film is lazy. Um, I, I think when you when you set up a movie about a character who is blind and then regains his sight, it's a pretty easy progression to like you're telling the story of a man who regains his sight but loses sight of what's really important. Like I think that's all laid out for you and it doesn't really take any steps here to to sidestep that or to do something different or do something unexpected and especially with the the kind of third act as you mentioned him kind of you know it becomes like pretty schmaltzy and pretty like oh if i only had what i had lost like it was just everything in this movie was overdone and i think 
there are even bits of it that are kind of borderline offensive, like this idea, this discussion of how lucky he is compared to his other blind friends and having, you know, Oliver Platt's character kind of be be envious of this instead of instead of feeling like, well, I, I have my life and I'm happy with it. I think members of the blind community probably wouldn't be too happy with the way this is portrayed. No, I, uh, yeah, I, I thought if, if that's, if you're going to go with that sort of parable approach here, um, that you're going to have this, this guy screaming into a pillow and moaning in agony when he loses his sight again. And I guess we're supposed to believe has realized that he's lost everything, that he's, he's gone off the path of goodness and being blind. Yeah, it's a it's a little, and I, I feel like that's why Oliver Platt is completely underwritten because yeah. he just becomes some sort of punishment as opposed to. I mean, they mention a few times that like that's his best friend, that's his only friend, and instead, yet again, he's another idea from the film to call this guy a dickhead. <laughs> right. And <laughs> I, I think it's it's mean spirited even to our our main character who is a jackass. Like I, I start rooting for him because I feel the film is taking his punishment too far. It's it's like some sort of, we're we're watching the cinematic version of the director writer being a lynch mob for this character that they have created just to hang up just for our entertainment, our satisfaction to see him brought back to uh, his blind ways and brought back to the, the homestead. Eh, I don't know. I found it all bullshit. I, I mean, I liked him when he's parting his hair. I liked, I liked, <laughs> I liked that. And I thought that was initially a very stupid moment. And then I was like, all right, let's just go back to him just being vain. Let's yeah. just go back to him wanting to have a good time and not seeing his whole life shattered and cratered. I, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, let me shout out a movie that I don't know if a lot of people have seen that is similar, uh, but it certainly doesn't tackle disability. It does tackle uh, perception, which is little children, which is about mm-hmm. a, a convicted child molester who is involved, and I guess in certain respects uh, is is treated as as Dan Stevens' character. A lot of times, their characters berating him, and uh, but that also has uh, has marriage, has a, a man string, a, a woman string for her husband. And I don't feel that film makes judgments, and this one, it just man, it really sets out to just give give us what we want. Let's just pick yeah. on this this blind guy who dared to, to want to make a little more money. Who wanted a, a a wife that he felt was attracted to him? Even in right. that sequence when he asked that, that's a layup. Why is she not just saying like? Yeah, okay, that's a she- great great point. Where okay, like sometimes telling the truth is not the best option in a marriage where it's like this guy's at a crossroads clearly. This is, this you should is, understand like, that. We've talked about this. Like this is a hanging curveball. If someone asks mm-hmm. you why did you first ask me out on a date? The question should not be because you look the answer should not be because you look so sad. <laughs> Fuck you, lady. Like that actually immediately put me on his side. You know, and I think like I talked about the movie being lazy and I think the the plot line of him, you know, cheating on his wife is the ultimate lazy move. It's designed to get us to hate you know, our main character of James. And for me, it didn't really work because of the way they set up the marriage. And also back to it being lazy, 
is there do we really get a scene where we understand why him and Oliver Platt are friends or is it just because we've been told for the entire movie he's my best friend and he told me this story the first scene we have him is that family dinner scene that's really combative and he's like yeah why don't you tell us how many how many deals you made like it's very angry and there's not a single scene where we see the two of them really getting along no, uh, his character, uh, Oliver Platt, it, it's, I don't know if he's speaking for the, the audience, if he's the Greek chorus here, which is basically, <laughs> hey, don't try too hard. If you're, if you're trying out there, then I hate you. Don't, <laughs> like, don't I want work you... hard. You're making me look bad, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you just, just stay put. You stay in your marriage with your wife that, you know, won't Pities take those you. pain curves. <laughs> Pities you. Uh, the only, uh, you know, we're bashing it pretty heavily, and I, I, I think that the the best review I can give it is that I, I did actually finish the damn thing. Right. I, I sat through it all. Uh, I will say one more good thing in that I was glad that the child is never really brought into this. I, I don't Very feel like rarely. he's in like two or three scenes, like and but just there's not there. a melodramatic moment with the father and son. Like the even no. the, I don't think the son, memory serves, uh, gives his father a big lecture. Really, I think he's just trying to, you know, he's just trying to get through this this awkward situation, this this impending divorce. Yeah, I mean, the son is really only there to continue uh, this kind of combative nature of the marriage. Like he he kind of finds out his wife has been dishonest about what's going on with their kid, which is pretty fucked up. Like just like our kids getting in fights all the time, and I'm just not going to tell you because you know. You, I don't want to bother You're you. You're blind. This. It, That's why it goes along. You. It goes along with the pity thing, where it's like, well, I don't want to bother you with this. There's so much that you deal with, which is which is kind of the ultimate slap in the face to someone living with a disability. Is like, well, I'm not going to treat you like a normal human because you're blind. Like that is literally the big, the worst thing you could do <laughs> to this person is treat them differently simply because they have so much more to deal with. It's like. You know, it's like sympathy porn at that point. Like, well, I, I'll just I'm going to take this on myself. And and that that was a little upsetting that this movie kind of did that on a couple different levels. Like if you're going to make a movie with a main character who has a disability or had a disability, I don't know, maybe employ some people on your script writing team that work in that community or have disabilities. And that seems painfully absent here. Hey, I tried to get you to do At First Sight instead with Val Kilmer and. Mira Sorvino and I, I thought we would have had a good time, Dave, with that, that romantic comedy about Val Kilmer. And, you were just so uh, stuck on romantic love. comedies. You just can't let it go. Jesus, dude, you got me watching this thing with this, this poor blind guy screaming into a pillow, begging God for forgiveness, begging his wife for forgiveness, his son, his friend, uh, all turning their backs on him. And I'm like, yes, please. Where's that Jake Johnson comedy where he's like gambling money that's not his? Like that's, <laughs> yes, please, Dave, give, and give your audience a break. You know, give them something they actually can see. Because now, now if they've listened to this, they're like, well, I'm not renting this on VOD. Like this was... <laughs> This is a waste I'm of sure, time for all I'm involved. sure my show is the tipping point for the ticket. <laughs> for the ticket, it may be. You have that power. How many film podcasts are you covering the ticket this like week? One. I think it's clearly that's the There you go. There I also you go. think that, you know, you brought up briefly like this story of the lottery ticket being brought up mm-hmm. over and over again, which is a problem. Another problem with it is this is not an original story. This is This is a story I've heard. Growing up like this, this parable about, you know, you got to you. It's basically God helps those who help themselves. That's essentially what you got to meet them halfway. Like that's the whole idea. And if you're going to make a movie and have the story repeat, make something up. 
make it different so I'm at least at least the first time I'll be surprised. And hell, I I watched the trailer. It's in the trailer. Like this whole mm. like come on. The only good moment with this, there's a moment where he's he's starting to lose his sight again and he has to tell the story. And I think Dan Stevens' performance in that scene, it's particularly affecting, but the the actual written scene is still not great. There's I think the script here could use a lot of work or maybe it should have just been as you mentioned a short film. Actually, I didn't like that scene either. Um, <laughs> just because I felt like, you know, this guy, I wanted to see him struggle to get through it. Uh, I wanted to see him. Well, I didn't, uh, like at least the way that, I didn't like the way they cut it. I think, yeah. uh, like, because they cut it off before you see how he gets through it or doesn't. And then it's actually three or four sequences like that in the film where it's like a really jarring cut where a scene mm-hmm. ends kind of in the middle and then we move to something else he's struggling with. And that's another, for me, that's another sign of a really inexperienced director is he doesn't have the confidence to just flesh right. out and finish out the scene. It's like, well, let me cut it right here. So you're not sure what happens. Like, that's not edgy. That's not cool. Like, let me see this man struggle because if you're going to not continually go back to Oliver Platt and Mullen Ackerman as you should, because those are, those relationships with the main character are really the interesting part of this film. If you're not going to do that, at least play out these scenes as as long as they can possibly go instead of trying to be cute with it. Yeah, do the uh, Anomalisa thing because that's that's mm-hmm. what came to mind. The, the end of that film, you know, they uh, they 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 make you see this man suffer in front of people, and it becomes incredibly painful, cringeworthy, awkward. This, you know, I think a lot of times it, it lets too many of the characters off the hook uh, right. because it just it just cuts away. Uh, I think it's exactly what you said. I think it's a, a lack of confidence in the material. Uh, maybe it's a stylistic choice. If you're going to do that, I'd rather see Dan Stevens buy himself some headphones and dance in some <laughs> carpenter pants. Yeah, That's why I want to see. A little ag- bit of joy. Unbelievably, I'm not against that. I think – I think all three of these actors do a good job, and it's really a shame that they're not attached to a better film. Like, I think they're all robbed here. Oliver Platt, Mullen Ackerman, and Dan Stevens all give good performances. They're just not given that much to work with. Like, when you only have 90 minutes and you waste it with these cutesy tricks, you're doing a disservice to these actors who are really working hard and really putting in some good work. Is he Beast, Dan Stevens? What? Is he beast? Yeah, Beauty oh, oh, beast. Beauty and the Beast. Yes, yes, he is. Is he better there? Uh, I, I think again, he's not given much to do. Most of it's under heavy, heavy CGI. Like he's serviceable. Like he's fine. It's not like it's a bad performance. It's not Emma Watson bad. So, <laughs> I just wondered if that's you know if that's going to be his thing now is to be the guy that is romantically pitied in some way through some sort of I hope not. I want him deformity. to do I mean me and Chris talked about this when we did our episode on blindness. I want more I want more of Dan Stevens as uh like the guest. Like I think he gives a great like and we compared that movie to a lost Kurt Russell movie from the 80s, which is about the highest compliment I could possibly pay a movie. Like give me more of Dan Stevens like that. I don't want this like berated, beaten down, you know, just killed version of Dan Stevens. I want him to actually have a little bit of fun. 
have a good time. And it seems like he's at least lately, like even if you go back to where he became popular, which is uh, Downton Abbey, he was very much this kind of soft spoken character. And I'd, I'd rather have him, you know, have a good time on film. And it doesn't seem like he's getting those opportunities yet. He's having more fun doing TV. He's in that new Legion TV show, which is basically an X-Men TV show. And he's having he seems to be having a great time there. But like, you know, much like John Hamm, he's not been given these good film roles quite yet. And much like me on your podcast, I'm not being given good movies, good films to talk about. It, yet again, even when you go independent in VOD, <laughs> even, here we are. 40%. Even when I let you give me suggestions, it's still not good enough for you. Which you take is- the one. <laughs> you take the one that's forty percent as opposed to ninety percent Rotten Tomatoes. I could not believe that when I looked it up. I'm like, well, I guess the Jake Johnson one was probably you know a piece of shit. And I looked, at it, I'm like, that son of a bitch. What's he doing? Well, if, you're, if you're, truth you're, be you're told, blinded by Dan Stevens. I, I'm fine with that. Uh, if truth be told, I did not look at uh, Rotten Tomatoes until after I had seen the movie and then thought I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, I mean, when I compared the two movies, I was like, I'm more in the mood to watch this. So so let me do this. Uh, so we had a bad movie for the old movie and a bad movie for the new movie. Uh, it's, I tried to warn you. You could have listened to War Machine versus War Horse on, on blindness. or the, It was going to be a rough week for you. It's, yeah. As opposed to I... Listeners, there's an alternate universe, a much happier one, where I suggested Drinking Buddies yep. and Win It All. I don't, I don't, even, I probably will never watch the fucking thing now. That's that, and I blame <laughs> It'll just you. leave a bad taste in your mouth. You're just gonna be like, fucking Dave. Yeah, I, I should have yep. seen this months ago. But no. Uh, but you know, look at the bright side, Mike. Uh, listeners might not know this, but the countdown is on for Mike not being on new release episodes anymore. So yes, you're almost oh, there. You still got to sit through the Fate of the Furious. So. You know, that'll be... Uh, <laughs> I like sure. those movies, I guess. I mean, I like, and it's got Charlize Theron, so... All right, know. we're going to remember it, this moment when next week you're here bitching and moaning about how terrible that movie is. I'm going to say, remember you said you were excited for this. You, you're going to like these movies. No, no, so. no, don't get, me, don't get me wrong. <laughs> if it wasn't for your podcast, I probably wouldn't even watch it this weekend. I'd just be like, I'll catch it whenever. I'm not... I don't want to say I'm excited for it, but... <laughs> I've liked some God of the previous forbid, ones. So. God forbid you would say you were excited about seeing a movie. What was the last movie you were excited about seeing in the theater, Mike? I think one I am excited about, uh, but I think it doesn't come my way until July 4th. Uh, it's playing festival circuits. It's actually playing in Nashville here at the end of the month, and I'm tempted to try to go catch it. Is uh, The Hero with uh, Sam Elliott that played at Sundance. Oh, okay. I'm in the mood for that. I yeah. mean, and that, you know, that from what I hear, that one's, you know, it's not some. Great new original idea. It looks like uh, the wrestler with Sam Elliott, but that sounds like that, a damn good that, time. That, I'm I'm yeah. down for that elevator pitch. Like if someone just told yeah. me I want to make the wrestler with Sam Elliott, all right, I'm yeah. in. So I'm excited good. for that one. How about that? That's, right. that's one I'm excited about. All right, good. All right, so yeah, um, I I cannot uh, recommend this movie, especially on VOD. If if you saw it for free, maybe, but paying six or seven bucks, it's probably not worth it in the long run. Nope. Which which is unfortunate because like when when you have like I feel like in a lot of circumstances it feels like this this story writes itself a little bit when you have the bare bones plot and you have this uh, this cast, but apparently that's not true. Uh, apparently they needed an actual writer. Uh, the director helped write this movie. So Who would have thought? Yeah, it's shocking, right? <laughs> so uh, so maybe uh, stretched himself a little thin. Uh, so it's definitely overall a disappointment. 
unfortunately. Uh, but what's going to be out? streaming soon? It'll, yes. you know, oh, they, yeah. if, they, if you're interested in a couple months, I'm sure it'll be one on one of the services. Definitely. Um, so, uh, before you take off, Mike, what's coming up on War Machine versus Warhorse uh, that's that excites you? What's coming up? Uh, let's see. We are doing what is the episode we're doing this week? I can't even tell. I've, I've recorded so many things out of order. I don't mm-hmm. even know where I am on the timeline anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently did the Black Coat's Daughter, which was another one of those VOD things that I was just like, "Well, that was actually good." Don't have to leave the house. It was actually good. I, I really enjoyed it. It has replaced uh, Clyde as my favorite film of 2017. <laughs> Finally, so, toppled uh, the Great Collide. <laughs> hey, that wasn't easy, Christ. man. Um, what do we got coming up? We've got a song to song. We're doing an episode uh, on Terrence Malick um, ripoffs in a way. People who have taken his uh, stylistic choices and tried to put their own spin on it. And for that one, we covered uh, All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, a horror film, much like The Black Coat's Daughter that was held back for years before it finally made its way out into the world. And we did Ain't Them Body Saints. Which uh, for that one we had Hiro from True Romance on. He's a big fan of that film, and he was basically pestering me to see it. And the <laughs> guest, uh, who is a little more well spoken, uh, more intelligent, and more handsome than Hiro, which well, is, is not that's hard to do. Well, that's not saying a lot. I mean, yeah, that's... is uh, <laughs> is William Lindis of Movie Bears podcast. I'll say this: I haven't edited the episode yet, but it's one of my favorites we've ever done for War Machine right. versus War Horse. Nice. So yeah. That. Terrence Malick, that's the best thing he's done in years. It was produced this episode of War Machine vs. Warhorse. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, so we're going to take a break uh, and then come back with Britt uh, for Fangirl Fixation because I'm an idiot and screwed up the scheduling. Uh, we're watching a movie that she wanted me to watch uh, that is more connected with uh, Fate of the Furious than it is with, with the movie we just watched. But we're going to watch uh, Death Race 2000 and talk about that and the movies coming out this week. Hello, I'm Andrew. And I'm Bernadette, and we're the AB Film Review. We're a weekly film review and discussion podcast from Perth, Western Australia. We're a married couple who like to spend our Saturday evenings avoiding reality by discussing and often arguing about the latest films and some classics. And getting closer to divorce. Uh, you can find us on the Podbros Network at podbros.com, also on Twitter at AB Film Review, Facebook AB Film Review, and our website abfilmreview.com. That's a lot of ABs. That's it. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Fangirl Fixation with Britt. Say hello, Britt. I'm tired of the man. You really are. You really are, and I know you're tired. So um, uh. so we will um, we'll just jump in here because I realized as I was getting set to record that I fucked everything up, so that's good times. Um, I was so annoyed with no good movies coming out in the theaters this week that for our Fangirl Fixation, for our Britt's Film Education, I just jumped to the next week because uh really yeah because fate of the furious isn't isn't just coming out that's coming out next week you screwed um, us up like that yeah yeah really? it's gonna roll so i'll have to figure out another movie to pair but it actually works out perfectly because there's like there's no there's no good new release this week so it's a good time to kind of flip the script that just means that we'll watch the remake next week no like, no we will not we'll, i need some time no but, you but don't we'll, yes we do but we'll get into that so we are kind of flipping everything on its head this week um i will be playing the part of brit and Britt will be playing the part of Dave because He's I'm going to be educated. To no, I, I never could. How no. could I possibly live up to the legend when that I, is Britt? I'm going to have to like give him director's notes. It's going to be bad, yeah, guys. It's, it's going to be bad. Lots of edits. So um, I just have to overact and then I'm Dave. Uh, no, you can't, you can't be me. It's just <laughs> I just have to be like morose and be like, oh, I don't want to. 
uh, why are you talking to me? Ugh, Dave, you're the worst. Then it's Brit. It's perfect. So, There'll uh, be a lot more cussing in that. Yes, there will be. Don't you worry. So, Britt, tell me, what film are you educating me on this week? Steve had to watch the original Death Race 2000 with yes. David Carradine. We yeah. could not get straight. Yeah, David, Keith, whatever. I was like, it's the guy from Kung Fu? Okay, that's all I need to know. Oh, Good God. enough. Um, he knew that much. I, I, I could have been worse. I could have been, is it Bill from Kill Bill? That would have been like the more modern, you know, film Twitter uh, reference to make, right? Yeah, I would have almost allowed that as well. Okay, almost. That that's good of you. That's nice. Um, so for the uninitiated, what is Death Race 2000? How would you describe this to people? Or should I be doing that? Should I be... No, no, no. I think, I think that okay. like, you have to... Because it's about your impression of it, right? Yes, yes. We'll, we'll just go on to say that this is yet another like notch into why Brit is bisexual. Yeah, lots I of titties. Going, I keep lots going through these in this old movie. movies that I watched with my dad at a very young age. And there's a lot of tits. Yep. And I like somehow blocked them out, and I don't know how. Anyways, so, mm -hmm. you know, please tell us your impression of the movie. All right. Uh, so I'm going to start <laughs> with this. I'm going to remember this. <laughs> the next time you complain about a movie where there's violence towards women, implied sexual assault, random nudity, because this is like just bitches getting slapped all over this movie. Yeah, like, I forgot about that, like, too. And full-on punched. Yeah. And so Sylvester Stallone just giving the left hook to some poor, unsuspecting woman. And I, I was like, I think wait, happened, you complain, and now I'm watching so this? So I think what happened is this, like, totally devolved into this thing of where it became a joke between my dad and I of keeping points when we're mm -hmm. driving. And so yeah. that's what I latched onto was a memory of that. Sure. And not all the stuff in between. I feel like that must have been a joke before this movie that this movie took on. Because Maybe. That's just so... Like, yeah. I've never seen this movie. I I mean, I guess I've heard of it, like, but no, knew nothing about it. But that's the thing that I think, I think when you first... Especially when you first learn to drive... That's like, that's the running joke. Yeah. Like, oh, moving target, extra points. You know, like right. that's yeah. just a thing. Um, but this movie, uh, so of course it's set in this like dystopian future. Um, and there's this cross country automobile race uh, where you kill people uh, yep. and get points for it. It's the Hunger Games, but with cars. You know, that's actually something I thought of. I was surprised at how, I mean, deep is the wrong word, but this movie does have things on its mind. It's not mm -hmm. just a mindless blood and gore fest nope. at all. I mean, it did remind me um, of things like the Hunger Games, obviously way in advance of, you know, whether you're talking about the Hunger Games or I'm trying to remember, there's a, I think, Japanese... Uh, Battle Royale. Battle Royale, yeah. Way before that. Um, and has a lot to say about, um, about dictatorships, like about governments, about, mm -hmm. you know, the way these things work, about what's the best way to fight against fascism i mean there's a lot here and, and that surprised human me life. yeah yeah and that really and sacrifice and really surprised me and yeah of course what what else threw me off was like just seeing these people i recognize like sylvester stallone like a year before rocky hits yeah like just playing this over-the-top villainous insane machine character gun joe. machine gun joe uh and i actually really like i can't say i liked his character as if like oh it seems like a cool dude but like really? it was an enjoyable villain for sure. And I think it's important to have that enjoyable over-the-top villain because your your main hero is very much an anti-hero. Yep. Like Frankenstein is not someone that you're like, oh, what a good guy. Like he does terrible things mm -hmm. over and over and over again. But I think I think um I think he as an actor is good enough to carry this movie because like, yeah, the, the effects are terrible. 
The script is barely there. I mean, but those cars, though. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually kind of impressed with the way they filmed the first-person uh, kind of car chase scenes. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that was actually really well done because things like that, especially older movies like this, and this came out in 1975, so this definitely qualifies as an older movie, um, usually comes off really cheesy and really, like, it. Like they're trying to put you in the seat and they're trying to make it scary. But this just felt like they were driving and they had someone hold a camera. Like it yeah. did feel like they did a good job with it. I have to say one of my favorite moments with Dave watching this movie was, please tell me they're going to explain the swastikas. <laughs> in the very beginning, like also there's like Nazis in the crowd. It actually, the other thing it reminded me of, reminded me of, of course, is like professional wrestling. Yeah. Like the, the way it was set up with these like very kind of obvious caricatures. Like none of these people... Purposefully, none of these people are are real. They don't they don't feel like real individuals. It feels like something out of pro wrestling or something out of Cannonball Run, but with a lot more blood. Like that's and they all had like their signature moves too. Which yes, is very wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. So and it, it also like we I have you kind of talk about um, you know where have you seen stuff like this moving forward? It actually made me think of um, the pod race sequence in the first uh, Star Wars. Yeah prequel yeah, I can see especially that. At the beginning with this like the obnoxious announcer yeah. And, yeah all that stuff like i felt like you know maybe i don't know if you know maybe george lucas saw this when when he was younger and like kept that with him but i definitely thought of that i definitely thought of movies like the hunger games but with a lot a lot more fun dark humor yeah like the hunger games you know whether you like it or not it's very it's very much a melodrama. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's YA. It's a it's a teen's experience but or something can, this dark. But you can tell that the that their announcers are very much taken from these characters. Yeah. What, like what's Effie his Trinket, name? Is Stanley Tucci plays? Uh, Caesar. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I, I forgot the name. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like, like um, Effie Trinket, like, totally like that, that other announcer who's like, yeah. my very dear friend. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, where everyone's a everyone's close a, friend. My yeah. very close friend. Like, everyone. Yeah, and I think that was also probably just a, you know, a take on some of the kind of news talk shows that were around in the late 70s, early 80s, too. Oh, sure. There's a lot of that, like, super personable, like, everyone's my best friend, you know, and that's, like, made its way down the line to daytime talk shows. Like, I mean, that's how Oprah kind of got her start, was, Mm -hmm. like, everyone was, like, the best person ever, and let me have them on my show, and... I'm I'm so approachable and I'm a person of the people and all that stuff. Right. And I thought like this movie, like it's very easy to watch this movie and just roll your eyes and say it's ridiculous. But I think it has a lot to I say. Understand. I think it has a lot to say societally. Like mm-hmm. I, I think there are things, especially now with where we are politically right now, it has actually a lot of interesting things to say about like how dangerous it is to give one person all this power. You know, and I and I think even the end of the film, it's it's interesting because you know, the very end of the film, Frankenstein becomes the president, mm-hmm. um, becomes Mister President or whatever. What yep. did they call him? Yeah, was Mr. that the yeah, name it's of the Mr. character? President, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, is vowing to like get rid of this race and all that stuff and make things better. But the movie ends with him murdering this person who who has a different point of view than him, who wants to keep the races going. This reporter. So it's not as if, like, the movie ends and everything's happy and, like, we're, we have a better world now. Like, this world is still bloodthirsty and awful. Mm-hmm. Oh, the other movie it made me think of was, uh, oh, those those relatively new horror movies, The Purge. Oh, yeah. You know, where it was, like, there were people who, like, because you start having these thoughts, like, why would you even go outside? 
But I like that they put in these moments of people being daredevils. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to move the manhole cover and I'm going to jump down right at the right moment. Right. And then it was, there's also a moment of honor and prestige if you're the first person killed. Like, your right. family is taken care of for the rest of their life. Right. Yeah, there are a lot of nice little bits thrown in there from a writing perspective that that I wasn't expecting in this movie. Like, I, I will admit when I walked, I kind of walked into watching this movie kind of like, all right, Britt, you like yeah, some fucking already, bad movies. But, you know, it's not bad. I wouldn't... I don't think I would call it great, um, but it's a fun, like, exploitation movie. Like, I think it's well done. I so, think... so you didn't miss the mark for you as much as Lost Boys did? Oh, no. All right. This is, this is where I become <laughs> the villain. Uh, there anyway, so I would like to, in my own defense, say that I did not see the Lost Boys when it came out. I saw it when I was much older. Did I watch it with you? Yes. Oh, yeah, you poor, you poor thing. Yeah. I watched it with you, and you're like, this movie's great. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, I fucking hate this so much. Yeah. The only thing I you like about one it. moment. I like two things. I like uh, uh, Maggots, that scene was yeah, great. I know. And the fact that it was filmed in Santa Cruz, because yeah. I'm like, hey, I've been there. Uh, other than that, I fucking hate it, uh, because it, <laughs> I just missed the moment. Um, and everyone, everyone, their mom is like, this is the best vampire movie ever. And I'm like, eh, I'm good. I'm good on that. So definitely didn't miss the mark like that. I think I like the fact that it... It had some messages, but it also knew, like, we just want to have fun here. There's not, there's not, like, yes, it, in a way, looks down on the race, but it still revels in the, in the bloodlust of the race as well. Mm-hmm. So, so I like that. I, I, I also it. like the, uh, the equality that was in this movie. We talked about that, that there was just as many female drivers as there were male drivers. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually kind of surprised by, and you mentioned during the movie that you've seen the remake yeah. and they kind of, throw that out the window and all the all the men are the drivers and it's interesting that gender politics wise in 1975 we're having better parody than we were in like what the 2000s yep. was that when the new one yeah. came out the jason yeah, statham like one mid 2000s i think right so eventually i will watch that one too uh because uh, ian mcshane is in it uh, so that was pretty much the only thing that drew me to that was like i was like all right you're remaking one of my favorite movies but you have ian mcshane so right. and ian mcshane like he could be in like the shittiest fucking thing ever, and I would watch it to listen to that man talk. Yeah, absolutely, right there with you. Um, There's something I was gonna. Oh, so back to this, like you know, super like comfortable with violence against women and random nudity. What, I'm just so curious. Like, what is the line for you? Is it because it's done with humor? Is it because it's older? No, like, like seriously, your... like I block that shit out. So do you feel like if you had never seen this movie and then watched it now? I would probably be more upset with it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, like there was like, there was those moments where like, I don't remember that happening at all. But this is also one of those movies that I don't rewatch a lot. Like same with Yellowbeard. Sure. Um, so then when like, so then when I rewatch it, I think I like somehow just like turn bits of it off because yeah. because for me like it's more of an attachment of like stuff i watched with my dad sure so it's sure. not stuff that i remembered as much and i think also a lot of my views on that are now like changed having gone through abuse sure so it's so colored it's, by your own experience yeah so like yeah. now a lot of that's way more triggering sure than it would have been when i was younger right so two of the things I want to mention, uh, one good and one bad. Uh, I really like the setup of, of Frankenstein as your anti-hero, and it sets it up really efficiently because, you know, you get extra points for killing old people in this world, mm-hmm. and he decides to take out the young people at, like, the, the retirement home yep. or whatever it is. And I thought that was a really nice trick to be like, you know, yeah, he's still a murderer, but he's not that bad. Look, he, he saved yeah. the old people's lives. So, you know, where everyone, anyone Euthanasia else would have gone for the points. 
you know, yeah, euthanasia day, Jesus. Um, and the only real negative I had about this movie is there is a fight sequence uh, between Frankenstein and Machine Gun Joe, which is horrendously choreographed. Like it was, yeah. I could not wait for it to be over. Yeah. And it's so sad because you have Bill from Kill Bill and you have Rocky <laughs> fighting each other, but it sucks. It's just like, oh God, just wrap it up, guys. Let's move on. Let's finish this off. Um, but I think it just, it probably just goes to show the the lack of budget. Like they probably didn't have the the money to do reshoots, the money to hire a fight choreographer. They were probably just like, Throw some haymakers, see what happens. We'll we'll fix it in post. Yeah, you know, and it, it really read that way, which is unfortunate. But overall, like, I had a really good time with this movie. I'm glad I watched it, which I am very surprised to say. Put that down in your calendar, folks. That's right. Britt was right. Yeah. See, that's how you know I'm. I'm. We're switching roles because <laughs> usually I'm. No, right. no, uh, no, so, no, no. <laughs> anything else uh, you want to add about uh, about Death Race 2000? Well, everybody needs a hand grenade. A hand grenade. Nice. People who have seen that movie will get that horrendous joke yeah. uh, that is in the movie. Good times. All right. So now we'll move on to what is coming out this week. So this week is a relatively slow week because Fate of the Furious is coming out. So nothing else wants to come out because all the money will be going to this. So actually, the first one we were going to talk about is actually limited to release. So it'll probably really come out the week after that. And that's The Lost City of Z. Uh, it says, a true-life drama centering on British explorer Percival Fawcett, who disappeared <laughs> while searching, which is like the most oh British God, explorer name ever. I seen his face while he was uh, trying to read that. <laughs> who disappeared while searching for a mysterious city in the Amazon in the 1920s. So it's uh, based on a book and stars uh, Charlie Hunnam, Robert Pattinson, uh, Sienna Miller, and Tom Holland. So I'm really interested in this movie, but God, I just hope that Charlie Hunnam doesn't fucking ruin this shit. Because it looks beautiful, and it looks like an interesting story. And Charlie Hunnam is really nice to look at, but he's just not a very good actor. Like, I love Crimson Peak, um, which he's also in. But he's a struggle. He Well, good, because you have to block him out to enjoy <laughs> movies he's in. So it's Because it's, it's, it's all be about tough. Tom Hiddleston's ass. And yeah. That's why I yeah, block out we, I think you mentioned that like two like weeks every, ago. Oh, God. Yeah. The jiggling. jiggling. <laughs> Absolutely. See, you get Tom Hiddleston, I get Jessica Chastain. Like, everybody wins in that movie. Yeah, but it doesn't win so much when, you know. Yeah, whatever. Make that gross. Yeah, whatever. Anyways. <laughs> so, uh, what did you think about the trailer for The Lost City of Z? Um, I'm interested in it, but... It it makes me wish that that other show that was on CBS for a while, or maybe it was NBC. It was, I think it was actually called The River. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it just made me like pine for that because I think that was cut too soon. Yeah, it's got some of that in there. And I'm also sure. interested to see how you do with this movie now that you um, have read Heart of Darkness. Oh yeah, because it yeah, has I just a lot of very that. similar elements it does, to it for sure. Like the constant like savages and like. Yeah, kind of it's going to be, uh, yeah. that's, that's always such like a delicate balance for movies now when you're, because we're so PC, we're so PC and also like just so aware of kind of what was done to people in these areas yeah, during this time. Yeah, and it's how much you let through, like, because you can sit there and say like, oh, well, it's period. Right, it's period, so I can use yeah, the N word. Like, well, that's how like, that would have uh, been done. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that, uh, that I noticed in this trailer is... The Charlie Hunnam moments are uh, very short in the trailer and yelling. Um, so it makes me wonder, does this look good because of clever editing yeah. or does this look good because it's good? Like I think production design wise, like this movie looks phenomenal. It's going to be beautiful 
to look at on screen, but I have questions about whether it's going to be good or not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. in the same boat. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking horrible. <laughs> um, and I will say that a lot of people would shy away from a movie because Robert Pattinson is in it. Robert Pattinson is actually quite a good actor. Him and Kristen Stewart, post-Twilight, have done some really interesting things. And I haven't really watched much from either of them since Twilight. Yeah. Yeah. Because I still will never forget the ex who made me watch the first Twilight. Really? Yep. I, we've talked about this. I keep blocking out. We're going to have to talk about it again off <laughs> mic because I might have to murder this person. That's horrible. Who would do that to somebody? Oh, you know. Do I? You do. All right. That's terrible. All right. <laughs> um, so, of course, the second movie coming out this week um, is The Fate of the Furious. So, let's talk about this for a minute. So, uh -oh. I want to know... I want people to know, like, kind of what your history with the Fast and the Furious movies, how you feel about them, and how you're feeling about the franchise moving into, what is this, the eighth Yeah, movie? eighth movie. Yeah. So, first of all, I'm probably, like, one of the only people who likes Tokyo Drift. You do like Tokyo Drift a lot. Oh, my God. Hot Japanese girl, hot cars. Ugh. Okay. Um, sorry, not objectifying anyone. Yes, I am. Yeah, but the um, guy in it, that fucking country bumpkin motherfucker. I think he's easier for me to tune out, though, because I grew up around it. So the I'm Asian guy's like, awesome. Han, yeah, he's great. I love him. He like, saves I love that, that movie for me. Like, yeah. There's um, rumors that, like, in future movies, by the way, he may be coming back, which would make me really happy. That'd be interesting. Um, but then it becomes this thing like, okay, it's it's officially a fucking comic book and no one ever dies. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But, uh, I, don't, I mean, unless they're doing it as flashbacks, which I would be okay with. Because yeah. there's a lot of his stuff that is left out. That's true. So anyway, um, I interrupted you. So you're the only one who likes Tokyo Drift. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Fast and Furious has always been, like, it's another one of those things of, like, like movies that I did with my dad, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, like, I always have a thing for cars. I'm not as knowledgeable as I would like to be, but I have a huge thing for American Muscle Cars. Um, so, like, this was a perfect movie for me. Because there was racing and cars and fight scenes and, you know, it mm -hmm. hit all of my sensitive spots when it comes to, like, you know, the typical bro movie. Mm -hmm. um, you are kind of a bro. I am. Um, I have mixed feelings on the fact that it keeps continuing. Okay. I feel like there's been a lot of places where we could have just stopped or we could have gone down a different direction. Literally like, any of these movies. Like, you could just I stop mean, at the end. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't super happy with the whole amnesia thing and, and <laughs> so whatever. <dumb. laughs> like that that didn't do it for me. Um, Again, how it's such a comic book trope. Like there's so much in these movies that is inspired from comic books. Yeah. Especially yeah, so, the later movies. And, and right now I'm like, I'm having a real hard time like with the whole like he's turned on them because you know that's not going to be the case like it's well, going to be like he didn't have a choice well like, especially because they've already they planned out him? like the next four movies you yeah. know you're not going to make these without fucking vin diesel yeah so i'm kind of i'm kind of meh about like the direction sure. they're going but charlie's theron in dreads is hot um charlie's theron is just hot like no matter yeah. what she does she could shave her head i mean there's gonna be like there's matter. gonna be more cars which is gonna be awesome there's a tank i like that the rock is gonna be there more it's not a tank there's a fucking submarine the tank was in the last movie no no there was oh no he said we need a bigger truck <laughs> yeah that's what it was yeah exactly i thought the tank was in this movie it probably Whatever. is too it wouldn't surprise me anyways um i am the guy in the bright orange car you would be yeah <laughs> you just compared yourself to Tyrese. That is so sad. I'm sorry, but That's I want the, the red orange car is what yeah. it mostly is about. Um, yeah, I don't feel like it needs to be a two-hour movie though. That's kind of hitting a hard point for me because, like, as much as I love these movies, I don't, I don't think it needs that much time. 
Two hours and 16 minutes. Yeah, there's not a real, there's not a lot of substance no. to these. I mean, there's like even that whole joke in American Dad about how like they took out all the car stuff and it was just a gay movie. Yeah. Like gay Well, I mean, porn. really, if you, if you look at these movies, it is an extremely, extremely, extremely poor man's version of Point Break. The first movie. That's all it is. It's, you know. Yes. Um, but nowhere near as good. Um you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Paul Walker is no Keanu Reeves. <laughs> like, that's how you know oh it's bad God. when you're like. Are you looking forward? To, well, no, that's tasteless. Never mind. What? Looking forward to a movie without Paul Walker? Yeah. Fuck yes, I am. Fuck too right. soon. Well, see, Brent had it. filters. Dave nope. didn't. Nope. It's not too soon anymore. He's he was never a good actor, ever. Not in these movies. Not in uh, oh, what was that football movie he did with Dawson from Dawson's Creek? can't remember the name of it right now but he was in that too he's also not good in that he just you know he should have been a male model he's a good looking blonde guy if you're into that which i'm not but <laughs> there are people who are uh varsity blues that's the name of that uh, movie, by the way yeah. but yeah um i don't know these movies they're i view them in very similar ways to a lot of the the marvel mcu movies is that none of them by themselves are bad but i've seen it before Mm-hmm. It's the same formula. And in the case of this, these movies, they do something smart, which is they do the same formula, but they up the ante every movie. Right. You know, like, oh, this one's just cars. Now, this one has a tank. Now, this one has a submarine. And it's funny, but it's not good. I mean, there are people online that I know who think these are just the greatest movies of all time. And I think they're entertaining enough action movies. These are movies. trashy movies. I'm yeah. Not, like, I'm not even afraid to admit that. Yeah. I just feel like the Fast and the Furious movies have gotten a little too big for their britches. And are just like, you know, well, family is, and this Corona. This is why I and, bought you know, a Mitsubishi like, Spider. I, I'm yeah. going to be real. Yeah. That's not an American muscle car. You I know it's not. You should be ashamed of yourself. But it's Japanese. Yes. You have a thing. I can't afford American muscle. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm i glad The Rock is there. Uh, I'm glad Jason Statham is there. Because I'm not. I want to watch The Rock beat his face in repeatedly. I'm so over Jason Statham. Well, you might get to see that. Um, Jason but it, Statham as Jason Statham. We get it. You still have to watch Spy. Um, you still have to watch that because he's amazing in it. But I feel like they provide some much needed levity to these yeah. movies. Like everything else, even though the movies are ridiculous, they take themselves so seriously in these movies that I'm like, I can't, I can't with you. Like, give me The Rock breaking his cast with his muscles saying daddy's got to go to work give me that all day all night long that's fantastic Dave was waiting for that moment because i heard about it i was like the very beginning of the movie well as soon as the cast was on i was like "Ooh, it's 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 close it's close and it was totally worth it um so that's really what i'm looking forward to um i like charlize theron i'm kind of glad to see her doing another action movie after mad max uh but we'll see this i I don't feel like the Fast and the Furious movies is really the place for um, feminist action heroes. There's not a lot of that. Like, I guess we have Michelle Rodriguez in these movies, but, you know, she... Y'all can't see the faces I'm making. Yeah, she just doesn't, like, stand out to me, and I I worry that Charlize Theron won't Well, because they give her the, like, like we've discussed before, she gets the typical ethnic, I'm an angry bitch role. Yeah, absolutely. That sometimes gets to have feelings. Yeah, every once in a while. Especially when she loses her memory. Yeah, <laughs> but that was okay then. But then she was still a hardened bitch that was killing people. Right. Yep. So. Yep. So that is the movie we will be covering next week, which is The Fate of the Furious. So uh, these two movies, do you want to see them both? Where are you standing on The Lost City of Z? Yeah, and I want to see the them both. Okay. 
Two I don't, for two. Yeah. I don't know if I want to see Fast and Furious in the theater, mostly because I'm old and can't deal with hour-long movies like that now. Okay. So you're going to watch that one at home? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Right. I might like, just you know drink like three rock stars and then walk in. I'll be fine. All right. We'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. All right. So um, that, unless you have, you have anything else to add before no, we finish I'm up? No, I'm tired. You're done. All I'm right. I'm going to bed. All right. So that's it for this episode. Uh, next time you hear my voice, we will be doing an episode on Mad Max Fury Road. Um, which is, of course, the kind of first action uh, action spectacular with Charlize Theron to get us ready for the fate of the Furious. So, until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for a weak individual dave that's what it is i've i've been called that on more than one occasion it's it's, it's like a married to you already mike that's sounds like what my wife says too it's fine <laughs> does she say that when she's encouraging a uh, a drug habit like i am usually toughen up <laughs> yeah. abuse your body just take the drugs it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs>